Hey, everybody, and welcome to a Sunday edition of City Watch's American Citizens podcast. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. We have Joe Bailey with us. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Good afternoon. Um, and we are here to discuss Manchester City's 3-1 league victory over Swansea, a very interesting, modestly strange game in which City actually looked under pressure for large parts of it. Um a friendly Swansea player decided to smack Kevin De Bruyne in the face and everything was rosy from there. So we're going to get right into this with um, what I thought was something of an uneven performance. I think it was a bit, a bit of a, between the two midweek games, it was, they, they've actually been coming on more toward, toward the end than the beginning. So I wanted to get everyone's thoughts and we'll start with you, Joe, overall of, um, there was something a tick off again in the first half, and it didn't really click until Kevin De Bruyne was moved into that central role. Um, but just your your thoughts overall on what I thought was kind of a, a strange game, because I thought Swansea played pretty well, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, to go back to talking broadly about the game, um, I think it's... It's something we haven't seen yet from City this game against Swansea. Um, for the good part of an hour, it was in the balance, I'd say. Um, you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne. He began on the right with Sterling on the left. And then obviously we had uh, Silva and Gundogan playing, Gundogan, sorry, playing in front of Fernandinho. I'm not ready to say that that didn't work, but it's certainly not using De Bruyne most effectively and we saw that the switch after half time and to move him centrally um, really paid off for us uh, he managed to get he managed to just dictate the game as he has been doing uh, earlier on this season and uh, obviously got an assist for the penalty which Aguero scored to put us ahead uh, and then went on to set up uh, Sterling with what was a brilliant goal but um you use the word, well, I saw the word on Twitter, uh, disjointed, and I think it was. Um, at the same time, I think we had a lot of chances which we could have buried. Um, and equally, they had, I think they had about 13 attempts. Um, so it was quite an open game. I thought we could have scored more than we did. Um, but it's certainly, I'd call the toughest uh, test we've had so far. Yeah, and Josh, you had a thought on um, what happens. We we talked rather aggressively, and while it didn't happen, we talked rather bullishly about Navas being in instead of Nolito for the tactical awareness aspect. And I, you made a point that basically what we saw in the first half was that the team sort of with lacking that tactical, um, regimented tactical whatever you have, whatever you'd call it without a player like that in the side and it hurt them. And I wanted to hear you expand on that thought. Yeah. I think what I discovered today is it's not that the De Bruyne uh, Silva two number tens or false eights or whatever you want to call them doesn't work. I think that it, it works when you have Nolito on the left-hand side and when it doesn't, then you have too many players that are trying to do their own thing and De Bruyne and Silva uh, end up occupying a lot of the same space. Um, and that's kind of what happened with City in that first half is like 
they would wind up in the same space. A lot of the times they'd kick ball like they were, you know, using the Rondo skills. But the problem was, is when they poke it out, they were poking it to the opposition because people were out of position. And um, I think that once De Bruyne was given his primary position, I actually remember saying... Because the announcers brought it up during the game, too. They're like, uh, and Gray, you wouldn't have heard this yet, I don't think. I, or maybe you did it live when... Yeah, I would that, I would have been listening live, at least. Yeah, it would have been when they said... Uh, when they're like, oh, ever since De Bruyne has moved into that central role, City have done well? Imagine that! Who would have known except every City fan that's been saying that <laughs> De Bruyne needs the number 10 role? So should I even bother asking? I think, can can we all agree that there that he just needs to play centrally? There's no yes. doubt about it. I agree. I agree. not up for a conversation. I agree. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, let's let's just remember that he could have actually had a very decent first half had he buried yeah, uh, that very good yeah, chance that where Gundogan put him through, and then uh, he certainly created uh, at least uh, one chance, which was almost buried. I think that was by Sterling or Aguero. Um, he was getting into the right channels and he was doing it fairly effectively. However, my problem is. Going back to what you said, he's not he's never going to be most effective there, so why bother playing him there? He's obviously a very good player, so will he will play well wherever he is, but he needs to be in the middle because for a matter of fact he he wins us games in the middle uh whereas he doesn't on the right mm-hmm. I think that's accurate, and I think it's bared itself out the last couple of games where he has basically been given free reign to play um more centrally um I thought, uh, and they did create some chances in the first half. He actually had a pretty decent one um, to go along with the Aguero goal, which touch on that just magnificent. It's stupid, really. Um, and and do, do you better goal his or Sterling's? No, there's a good question. Sterling, Sterling, same Sterling. Okay, yeah, clean sweep. Moving on. We'll Moving come on. back to that later. We'll come back to the Sterling goal because I think it needs to be talked about. But. Um, I, I also thought Swansea, like I said, they played well. Their goal was basically because Bakary Sanya fell over at the same time. So, again, I, 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 we, we answered the question. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because the way that that's stated implies that Swansea wouldn't have had a goal but not for Bakary Sanya falling over. Look... Swansea were they 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 deserved the goal they had. They had plenty of other opportunities that very well and could have turned into a goal. So I think that uh, Sanya falling over was like City probably deserved to win, but Swansea was, did not deserve to get. Yeah, but it, it was just rewards for what happened, basically. Correct, it, I think so. Uh, they are the. I think they were the first team to play against us uh, that had more shots on target than we did, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't say in any way that they were dominant because at the same time we had 59% of possession through 90 minutes, but that just shows you the openness of the game and how good they were going forward, how effective they looked. 
particularly in the first half. I thought during the second half they started a bit shakily, but they grew into it. And even before the penalty, they were pretty well on top, I thought. Um, and they looked more likelier to break the deadlock. Um, I, I think that's – I just want to add on really quick to something Joe said because I'll totally forget it. I also think it's due to the fact that some some teams realize that to beat City, it's going to be punches by volume. Yeah. And that's why I think you're going to see shot counts increase even if they're desperate outside the box. I think teams are just going to be unloading on City every chance they get because, well, frankly, you kind of have to. And I will accept that because I don't know if you're familiar with the expected goals thing, but that people map that sort of thing out based on. And again, dumbest stat ever. Oh, Such all right. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at it, um, but I, I think that if you're, frankly, I think that if people want to start taking pot shots from outside the box, I think City will be okay with that. Um, sometimes you're going to get a screamer, but a lot of other times you're going to have a goal kick where you can build from the back. But I think that you have to, there's an understanding now that um, if you try to let city play and hit on the counterattack or something, you get united basically. <laughs> um, or even Bournemouth, even though Bournemouth tried to play. And I, I was watching the match of the day analysis last night, the UK version. Do you um, think City's establishment of the counterattack has quite possibly turned them into the most dangerous side in the Premier League to play? Like that yeah. aspect of it by itself. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, yes. Because the, the counterattacks, it's one thing if you, you know, you, you can't, you can't mess up. You basically have no margin for error. Because if if you get caught out, they are going to make you pay for it. And it's one thing to say, well, you know, we can just sort of sit back um, and, and play in possession. They have been able to, uh, to cut through that. And now if you don't, they're able to just ping you on the counter. There is no easy way to beat them. I think that's the key we're talking about here. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering about that because ever since you've seen this counter turn into just a ruthless, like, you know, to quote Peter Jewry, just more and more and more and more. Like, it just, these goals just seem to keep coming from the counterattack and each time they're a little bit more cleaner than the last time and they just... They're so well taken. They're so unselfish. And celebrating with a fan earning you a yellow card <laughs> is the biggest <laughs> bunch of bullshit I have ever seen I in my life. That. I can't be doing with that rule. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, like that, that, I, I, that rule needs to go. This is giving us a perfect opportunity to transition into talking about the Sterling goal. And you, you watch, you watch him go down. And it's one thing to, you know, you're kind of just waiting for him to pick out the pass for Aguero and tee it up for him. But instead, he decides to destroy Kyle Naughton's mentality and life and everything about the poor man. And I'm just like, my word. There's no way he does that last year. And there's, I don't even know if, you know, I remember when he scored in that league game in the year we won the title when we played at Liverpool and they just blitzed us in the first 20 minutes. And he scored the first goal and just destroyed Vincent Company. 
it reminded me a little bit of that. Just that fly, flying, just making someone, making a professional footballer who, you know, who deserves to be on a Premier League pitch, just making him look like he's Sunday League. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, I think, um, as you picked up on, Pellegrini's Raheem Sterling um, would have tried to... Boring, boring, boring Sterling. Would it, he would have tried to force a square ball to Aguero, which wouldn't have turned out. Um, so to have the composure to drop the shoulder and embarrass, um, was it Norton, did you say? I believe it was Norton, yeah. Yeah, um, to have the composure to not only do that, but then um, just slide it into the near post against Fabianski, who isn't a bad keeper, he'll be disappointed to concede that one, um, is something that, we're still getting used to from Raheem Sterling. Uh, this is the new Raheem Sterling, and it's great. And Josh, you were talking about the counter-attack. Um, right now, him and De Bruyne are crucial to that. They are lethal together. De Bruyne playing the pass-through um, with Raheem's pace is going to be very difficult to stop when we're already ahead in the game. And the uh, uh, the op- opposition are coming at us. It's going to be very difficult for us to not score goals. For me, it's not even so much about the pace as it is the confidence. Now when you see Sterling like this, I mean, there's no doubting the fact that his confidence is back. Like, let's just put that aside right now. As Gray mentioned, last year Sterling would not have tried this. And, I, you know, Joe, you, you backed up that point, I thought, very well um, by, by sort of framing it into context and uh, dude um, just the technical quality of what Sterling did just the I mean he read that thing he read he knew what was coming he knew where to go with that ball he knew exactly how to embarrass him and then Joe you talked about the finish for me the finish was the best part of that entire thing yeah, like it, I, I think the finish was exactly where it needed to be. Otherwise, I, I'm not sure if that ends up being a goal. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the fact that you talked about confidence that just personified his confidence. That goal. Yeah. It, it, I mean, we you have a guy who's on a hat trick, who's possibly the most important player in the history of the club. He he demands the ball constantly. You're going to want to give Aguero the ball as many times as possible so he can get that hat trick. So to have the tenacity to fake a pass to him, drop his shoulder, and then bury it into that near post is incredible for me. It was delightful to watch. Oh, yeah. And you know what was awesome, too? was, And I'm sure Gray might have chimed in at some point and said this, but Aguero's reaction was everything, dude. I, I, I mean... Aguero turned around and looked at Sterling, and he let him know that was a boss move. <laughs> yeah. he, he let, instead of being pissy about not getting a hat trick, Aguero was just, he's like, that's the kind of soccer we came to play this year. That is the kind of football that we came to play. And, and it was gorgeous to watch. And, and you know what, honestly... Last year, sort of, or last game, I think in this game, if you've not had, and I say this with all sincerity, 
And I know we have media listeners, and I, I hope some of them chuckle at this and aren't offended. But last year, an article would have been written about how selfish Sterling is and, and how he should have passed the ball to City's greatest player to finish <laughs> off his hat trick because he has no confidence to finish it and botched it. And if he'd have just given it to Aguero, then everything would have been okay. This year, he buried it, and Aguero came over to him ready to celebrate and, and, and just share in that moment with him because Aguero knew there was still plenty of time left uh, for him to bag another. And I, I just – people haven't – they've talked about it, but they haven't stressed it enough. How Guardiola has these guys playing for each other, and in the previous game – they had been setting each other up with assists instead of taking maybe the easier shot. It was about walking it in to, to guarantee the goal, which is the Guardiola way. And uh, I think that that sort of set the table for today. Like, everyone was maybe expecting the pass, and that allowed Aguero, uh, or uh, excuse me, Sterling, to be a bit selfish. Absolutely. Um, and I want to talk about Aguero too because obviously he was fan- he was he was good. I liked I found I wanted to bring this up um, because be- even before and after the the, uh, the the Swansea game, we heard Guardiola saying I want more from him. And you look at the, whatever the ridiculous return, it's what, like eleven goals in six games or something stupid like that. Um, but. He, he he had something to say, and primarily on the defensive end, like the, the wanting to press. And he summed up his philosophy so perfectly. And I wanted to share this quote. It's from Goal.com. It's from Sam Lee. And, and I'm going to read it verbatim because I went to find it. And I said, and, and, and this is Guardiola saying, we believe that if we have the ball, we can create more chances. And that's the reason why. When I see one player that doesn't go to the press... What I feel is they don't want to play. They don't want the ball. They prefer the ball for the opponent. I don't like that. I thought that was beautiful. And it's like this sort of saying that, well, if you're not pressing, it just means you don't want, you don't want to, you don't want to play. You know, you don't want the ball. You're happy to let the other team have the ball. I don't want that. Bye-bye. And, yeah, all right. For your happiness, <laughs> yeah. teammates do all the work. And- right. And then you can claim the glory, which and, is... And he obviously, he wasn't singling anybody out. It was just sort of a, 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 an outlining of his, his philosophy, a word that Louis Van Hall has ruined, by the way. But, um, yeah, I, I think that... Aguero's, really? Because his philosophy had United in fourth. <laughs> yeah, fifth. But I think with Aguero, he is really warming. He seems receptive to this. He seems beyond even the goal scoring, which has been fantastic, but... He seems willing to just put more into his game and be the striker that Guardiola demands of him. And you wonder how good – obviously the fitness is always going to be an issue. But you wonder – he keeps saying he can do better. He can do better. You wonder what his peak is at this point when you watch him in this kind of form. I'm excited because I think that we may not have necessarily seen his peak yet. We're still all adjusting to the Guardiola system. So once we're there and once Guardiola has his team where Aguero will head that team, that that could be even more frightening than now. I mean, 
bear in mind, by the way, that Aguero's missed two games in the Premier League and is joint top scorer in the, in the league. Uh, he didn't even need those two games um, to score five goals. Um, so we, uh, it could even get better, which is uh, really encouraging and quite exciting. Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with Joe on this one. I think that there's, I mean, you look around at the the players that are currently. Uh, oh, the Niners are embarrassing. Um, you look around at, at 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 the players that City have brought in, and sort of guys that have or have not maybe got off the ground, and then you look at the guys who have, and Aguero certainly falls under a guy who's hitting the ground running with Guardiola. It was probably only... Um, I mean, truth be told, it, 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 this is probably the, the very minimum of what we could have expected, because most people already put Aguero into that world-class category, and if you've got a world-class coach working with a world-class player... Um, well, I mean, I don't need to, to draw you a roadmap, but um, it kind of figured this would get here. And then you've got other guys who've always had that capability, and now you have De Bruyne, who's just at the top of his game. And for the first time, I think, in, in a long time, City actually have dedicated wingers who are doing their job instead of just standing around the touchline as the final guy. Instead of these these sort of narrow wide players waiting for a fullback to overlap with them. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. And, and, and they have purpose. They feel like they've been freed up to do something. And there's a little... I find it so funny that Ribéry has issued all of these comments about Guardiola and how playing for Ancelotti is so much better and then Uli Hoeneß told them to shut the hell up um, but I, I find it so odd that, that and I understand that tactically Guardiola's system is more restrictive. I get that I get that. I don't, I don't need a tactical outlay of, of how Guardiola limits Ribéry to these runs whereas Ancelotti opens things up but I find it odd that he says Ancelotti allows more creativity and freedom I think that's exactly what Guardiola wants out of his players. And and one of his more famous quotes, and I'll end it here, is, look, man, my job is to bring you to the final third. Your job is to finish it. Yeah. Plain simple. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave this open to both of you since we're on, we're on the subject of the game. Um, are there any players that I haven't mentioned, either good or bad, that you would like to single out for praise or criticism? Because I didn't think anyone really played poorly. But go ahead. Someone out, and I'll ask yeah. Joe. You I'll go ask... first, Josh, because I have my own player, so you go. <laughs> do, are you sure it's not the same guy? Well, I we'll... guess I guess we'll find out. We will. Okay. Does Does your guy happen to start with an L? I'm afraid not. Okay, cool. All right, so my guy is Leroy Sané. Um, I just need to start seeing more out of him. Either that, or I think it's time to start giving maybe Navas some of those minutes. Because Navas, for me, while he may not have the most amazing end product, 
he finds a, a, a he's he's been dishing out some quality balls this season as he gets deep into the box, um, and and tactically I. I, like I've been saying, I think Navas is the closest thing you're freaking going to get to Nolito in terms of his overall understanding of what Guardiola wants to do. And uh, I, it, I have yet to see anything. I am not at all falling down the Sané is a bust wagon. So anybody who's saying, yeah, I'm glad he's about to say it. No, no, I'm not. I think Sané is a fantastic acquisition, but I haven't seen out of anything. I haven't seen anything out of him to suggest that he needs to be commanding the kind of minutes he's getting just now. Maybe he needs a bit more time to come in, show a bit more in practice. Maybe come out in some of those cup games where where things are a little less. Uh, well, I mean, crap, he was given that opportunity, too. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I need to see more out of Sine. I think, the, I think the short preseason didn't do him any favor. No, no. And because I he came in a bit late, and then he had a hamstring injury, which yeah, is like the, I, I the totally double whammy of... No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong to, to, to be questioning. We have seen, I think, bits of the quality, mm-hmm. um, because... They're the two things that come to mind, the pass he made that set up De Bruyne in the derby oh, when he hit the beautiful. post, and the pass he made to set up Ihianacho for City's fourth against Gladbach. The quality's there. Oh, I yeah. think there has absolutely been a bit of a, an issue with the preseason, both coming in kind of late, and then the hamstring injury held him back. And I think, not that I'm writing this off as a lost season, he's going to get his chances, and I'm sure that we'll see good, good things out of him eventually, but I think that we might not see the consistent best of Leroy Sané until next season. Um, Agree, and that's and that's kind of why I was talking about those minutes. So, in the spirit of what you said, and I'll turn it over to Joe. That's really what I meant. Like, I, I think he does deserve minutes. I think this guy's an incredible talent. You've seen it there. I just think that the start he got off to at this particular time doesn't lend himself to him getting the minutes he's getting. I think those could be better served elsewhere. Joe, take it away. I can't really add too much to what you say about Sane. I guess uh, to summarize, though, um, a 20-year-old in a foreign country, it's always going to take time. Um, I, I'm with you on uh, Gray when you said that he has all the he has all the ability. You can see it. You can see it in very small patches. Um, I particularly saw it in the derby. Uh, it's just a little bit raw now, and he obviously needs time to adjust not only to Pep's system but uh, the new life, uh, the new lifestyle, just everything really. Um, before before you go on with your player, you know what that makes me think of? He and Sterling are the same age, and it, it's kind of amazing how we take for granted how far along Sterling is for that age already. Yeah, so obviously it's... Well, I mean, he's, he's been around for so long, which I think is why we do it. It's, it's been a couple of years since he burst out of the scene, but wow, there is so much... Help as well, the fact that he's already been around. So much more to come from him, too. It's crazy. I always think that he's uh, older, and I think sometimes the press choose to think that he's older than he is. Um, but he's, yeah, uh, give him three, four years, and he could be just blowing the Premier League away, honestly. He, he is 21, for the record. I was slightly off, but the point stands. Yeah. Um, go ahead with your player, Joe. Uh, my my player is Claudio Bravo. 
Um, I just wanted to comment on his performance against Swansea. Um, obviously, he made a couple of uh, saves, particularly uh, one in the first half, just before they got the uh, equaliser, actually. Um, and then uh, he gave us some highlights when he uh, dribbled past Lorente, of course. Um, I just want to say that um, I noticed his positioning, particularly in the first half, Almost every time we're in possession, uh, Bravo is positioned outside his own penalty area, which I absolutely love, because what this does is uh, we can use him effectively as an outfield outlet. And I think that that means that when we go back to him, we're not all moving deeper. We're not allowing the opposition uh, Swansea team to press up the pitch at all, um, which could happen easier, uh, uh, much easier if he was sat deep inside his own penalty area. So what we're doing is not changing our team shape. We're not falling back whenever we go back to the keeper. It doesn't have that same effect um, uh, as it would for another team that, that may go back to their keeper, may pass it back to their keeper. It's almost like we're just playing it to another centre-back who's going to start another attacking movement again. Do you guys uh, agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I think to add to your comment... Um after all the hand-wringing and nonsense that was written after the Derby about Claudio Bravo, we've gone... Well, he's only played in two games, I think. Is it two games? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we've we've gone... No, three games, because he played in the Champions League as well. We've gone three games now without really saying a word about him. And that's, I think that says it all. And part of it, yes, is because we haven't allowed him to be tested often. But when he has been, and he has been so integral in the way that we play already, you know, people people look stupid already. A lot of those, I want to add, too, that a lot of those shots that, that, that have been fired at City, some of those unexpected quickies that Guardiola, or excuse me, that uh, Bravo has just sort of consumed, um, look, like, those were the types of balls that were catching uh, Joe Hart unawares all too often for my liking. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, that when you look at how much is accomplished by having Claudio Bravo as at Joe, you you brought this up, just that outfield outlet. And, and I think that part of what you're talking about extends back to um, what – or what uh, Guardiola was talking about with, with Neuer and Pep Confidential as to how he stands at the very edge, and he's always following the play. He's moving with it, you know? If the ball's on the left side, he adjusts his movement accordingly. If the ball's on the right side of the pitch, he adjusts his moving accordingly, movements accordingly. He does all of this to be anticipatory, but also enable him to be proactive. Um, and just how, look, man, I, I don't know. Look, you see Willie Caballero the other day trying to handle like the ball. And then you see Claudio Bravo completely embarrass somebody like with his footwork. And you're just like, yeah, that ball's taken right off of Cabby's feet and put into the net. Yeah, you, you question why, you know, why we ever kind of doubted that, it, I mean, not that anyone on this particular podcast did, but there were obviously... I want to talk about, I want to 
ask a question. Sorry, go, go, you're done. Go, go, no, uh, no, no, yeah. Well, I was all I was going to say is you you wonder how after watching a few games because you can just imagine not even just Caballero who you've seen do it but Hart try to do this and you wonder why we ever doubted that this this had to happen. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I was I was hoping you were going to bring up Hart. That's why I wanted to let you finish. Um, you know, Asan said on the on the mothership that uh, he does not believe that that Cavalier was better th- than Hart. Like after having seen, no, it, you're not, no, you're not going to convince him. Yeah, um, that that Cavalero is 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 somehow better. But you're not going to convince me either. But <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. I, I I I don't need to convince anybody that Caballero is better. I just think Joe Hart would be worse. That's an interesting way of putting it. Um yeah. Like just because Joe Hart is worse, while it technically makes Cabby better, like it's sort of like smelling Walking in your house and smelling a fat, nasty dog crap versus walking into your house and smelling fat, nasty dog diarrhea. Like, is there one that's worse? Sure, on a hot summer day, I imagine. But it doesn't matter which one you get. You're not going to be pleased either way. Yeah, absolutely. Um Let's talk, let's bring up the rather unpleasant topic of Kevin De Bruyne's injury. Um, the mothership actually had the original report, so full credit to them, um, of four weeks out, which will cost him Celtic away, Spurs away, Everton home, Barca away at minimum, quite possibly Southampton at home and United away in the League Cup. And any further than that, and you're getting into the second leg against Barcelona. Um, do how how worried are we, particularly given how well he's been playing and how talismanic he has looked in the last few games? Is this worrisome for City, particularly given the games they have? Can someone cover? Are we about to be? Are we about to really rely on Ilkay Gundogan a whole lot in the next couple weeks? Um, just, just how, how do you feel at, at the prospect of City playing without De Bruyne for at least a month? Um, I think we should all be a little concerned just because he is uh, the Premier League's best player at the moment. Um, I know we we've shown with the Aguero absence that we're very much. Uh, we don't really get affected by these sort of things under Pep Guardiola because of our system and the way we play. We seem to create chances regardless. But at the same time, De Bruyne brings that moment of magic, the moments of perfection, if you will, that uh, it's very difficult to fill. I know Gundogan's impressed early on and he'll probably, he could fill in that role or Silva further forward maybe. Um, so we have quality there, and I'm sure we're not going to struggle too badly, uh, given the people who are taking over. But at the same time, uh, we're we're always going to be worse off when there's a player like this that's missed. Uh, he's been superb, and he can change the game at times, and we will miss that. Yeah, Josh, how how are you feeling about this? I I don't have too terribly much to add to that. Like I. 
It seems like I was stating the obvious there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like not it's, a... it's, it's deflating is the best way I would just yeah. write. Yeah. It's deflating. I think it but... might actually, if I can cut, I don't mean to cut you off. Please. No, but please. If, if I can just be, I think it might actually, given the depth of the squad that City have, I think it might be more of a, of a moral blow than anything else, given how well he's been playing. I think they have, um, you know, Barcelona's on a different planet. I'm really, more, I'm really more upset that he's going to miss at least one of the Barcelona games because that was going to be the ultimate test so far of how far City have come uh, this season, and we're not going to have one of the most integral players in the side available to us for at least one, if not both, of those games now. But um, I, I think that you know, against uh, teams in the Premier League, I think we have enough about us to cover for it. You know, for at least a few weeks. Um, so I think ultimately what will happen, I know Nolito has one more game to miss, but I think ultimately what will happen is we just go back to the BC lineup that we've had all along, except Gundogan will come in instead of De Bruyne and Silva will be alongside him, but, but, you know, barring any further injury. Um, but I think it it's for that reason, and it will hurt particularly during the bigger games, but I think it might be more of a, um, a psychological blow than, to, to City than anything else. I think they're better equipped to handle this than they were last year when it happened. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because this is the question that I now want to ask you, uh, the both of you, uh, instead of offering up an answer that you guys have basically already given. Do you think the timing of the injury and, and the fact that it happened so soon, you never look at injuries as blessings? But is the fact that City will have to learn how to deal with this so soon, is that a small blow? Like, look, they've already lost Aguero for three games, and look what they discovered about themselves in those three games. Mm -hmm. If Aguero goes down with an injury moving forward, I think based on those three games, this team is going to feel so much different about their position in life when he inevitably goes down with an injury again this season. Um, if De Bruyne can't play and, and City struggled again last year without De Bruyne, now he may be the best player in the Premier League, but Aguero is the best striker in the Premier League, and City found a way to get it done without him. If they find a way to do this without De Bruyne, do you think that maybe the, the, this then comes a small blessing in disguise as you head into the deeper rounds of the season and the Champions League and Cup Finals where maybe a guy needs a day off because he did get dinged up, if that makes sense? like Yeah, it does make sense. Sorry to cut you off. It does make sense. Um but it's, it's if we can get it done without him. Um, I guess it always brings a sense of intrigue as to what Pep's backup plan is. Uh, I don't think we'll see something totally new. I think what's likely to happen is uh, Silva may uh, push further on uh, and Gundogan will possibly sit and then Fernandinho will hold the midfield. But um, I, I totally get what you're saying there because if we get it done, then we are... I mean, that personifies Pep's, the idea that we're winning because of Pep's system, not because of the individuals. Um, so, in a way, it's it's a blessing for me because, a slight blessing, of course, but because 
just to see how we will change things up and and how we are how good we are as a squad uh, rather than our starting eleven. So yeah, I kind of see your point there, Josh. Beyond even you know, and you make a very good point about learning to play without him, and I completely agree with that. But even beyond that, I would much rather be without him now than without him in the middle of a title run in or the Champions League knockout games or what have you. Um, not that the points you pick up now are any more or less significant than the ones you pick up in April or May or what have you, but you know, you'd, rather, think, you'd rather have as 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 healthy a squad in that run in as you as you possibly could. I think more importantly, later on in the season is when mentalities have already been sort of etched in stone. What teams are, what they think of themselves what they fear about other teams, what they consider them strings, those things become more calcified as the season goes on. And as you have these tumultuous patches that teams overcome, but in the beginning of the season, I think that later on in the season when those games matter more, it's sort of going to be like heading into that United game where United fans were making a bigger deal out of Aguero being out than City fans giving a shit. You know, it was like, I don't know if you've seen the team lately, but I'm okay. I think I, I think that City have enough talent, you know, to, to, to get through this game. I think I'll be okay watching it. And United fans, conversely, were like, oh, God. This is awesome. You know, Aguero's out. You know, here comes the Zlatan train. Oops. <laughs> the Zlatan train was not was running on half speed and was being Yeah, it hadn't arrived at the station. Yeah. It was it was a slow burner. Um the only thing I would add is as well, the one last thing I would add to this topic is um the fact that late in the season Guardiola's um Guardiola's system is very demanding. And silly as it may be, a month off now may actually have De Bruyne a little bit fresher down the stretch as well. Um, obviously, that's a silver lining to a cloud. Um, but, you know, I don't think this is the end of the world. And I do think that by and large, they will be able to cope without him for a short period of time. If we started talking two, three months, then my answer would be different. But for a few weeks... I think they can survive this one. I think it speaks a lot the fact that we are actually coming out of this discussion quite optimistically. Uh, if if we were doing this podcast last year, uh, we would. Oh, been, we're done for. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been seriously on a downer. I'd, I'd, um, so it, it speaks a lot for Pep Guardiola's uh, tactics for him as a manager and. Our personnel that are coming in, like we're still going to have a possibly the strongest midfield in the Premier League without him, just based on the personnel um, and you know on paper. So, uh, I, well, look I, at what City have coming available to them. You well. also wonder, you know, I know it's not the exact same role that they they play, but you wonder if this maybe Alex Garcia gets a couple looks in in some of these games. With with the team short of midfield, not, so to speak. not in the Champions League, but in some of the league. No, games. I'm serious. No, How I'd does like... that work? Because now De Bruyne is out. Oh, he's out. They can't really do anything about it. 
It's, it's yeah. But um, what I'm but what I'm saying, uh, well, a month is not going to cover all the games. Yeah, it's two, maybe three games is the problem. Who else went down with an injury? For us? Yeah. I, I I mean I know Delph has been out, but I'm not sure the status of him. Yeah, Delph has been a quiet one, but I don't I don't think anyone else is is out other than obviously Vincent Company, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what happened with Vincent Company? Because if he's on the Champions League list and well, he's going to be out for a significant length of time, they, you could take him off and put Garcia on. I don't think I can. They take. I don't know that you can. Edit. Yes, because companies. Well, if you lose a player, I think you can replace him. I think I'm not sure on the rules, but I think you get a certain amount of squad substitutions over a period of time but again i'm not sure about that and we are not lawyers <laughs> yeah so i do we'll, think we'll discuss that later with you yeah we have our, <laughs> we need i, I just happened we to need know... a uefa lawyer i'm not sure the way i've always understood it is that you can only edit it between stages of the competition but i could be wrong okay Somebody get on here, tell us how stupid we are, and the actual correct answer. <laughs> to be fair, UEFA squad registration rules tend to be a bit ahem, nitty-gritty, so... <laughs> You're not wrong. They also tend to be a bit helpful. In certain senses. <laughs> like, hey man, announce stones! Yeah. Okay. That's the best way. I, I, we're going to have some doing if to, to find out about a transfer in a better way than that. Um, all right. Um, before we move on from the game, is there anything that anyone else wanted to bring up about that game? Because there is one other thing that I want us to get to here. Um, no, I just think you, you mentioned earlier on that you don't think anyone had a poor game. Or maybe you said that. I, I can't remember. But, I did. I did say that. Yes. Um, I'd argue that I, I really didn't rate Sanya that game. Um, he 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 offered what he normally offers going forward. I think obviously he got the assist for the first goal. He was effective um, getting uh, on the overlap, but defensively, I mean, for the, their equaliser, not only did he slip, but to create that chance in the first place, he just uh, put the ball uh, out of bounds for them to have the throw in in our territory. So. And there were a couple of times, too, where um, he was just either out of position. There was too much of a distance between him and the uh, winger. So I'd argue that he had a tough time and could have played a lot better than he did. What were, uh, um, after the throw-in, too, that led to the goal, they, didn't they, they looked like they kind of fell asleep and Lorenzo just sort of ghosted in behind the line they were holding and they were able to throw it to him. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure either, but I, I when I was watching it back, I was like, I feel like that was preventable. Yeah, totally. I agree. But that's all I had to say about Sanya. I, um, I, I think, obviously, it's probably not going to be a consistent thing because I still really rate him as a fullback. I still think he can do a job for us, certainly for this season. Uh, but he really was leggy out there, I thought, against Swansea. Josh? The only other thing that I would say is that I think it's time for Guardiola. I know he's trying to encourage Stones to bring the ball out, but I do think there are times to talk to him about how to bring the ball out because all too often I saw Stones bring the ball out and then it was like he looked like a guy playing FIFA 
who was like, oh, I can totally make it through like that hole. But then after he got through that hole, there was nobody to pass to. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you see genius. That's why they left it for you. And it was just, you know, I, I mean, not that I've been saying that about stones, but I think there were times when he just sort of looked like a guy who tried to create something and then there was nothing there. And as a result, the ensuing pass was like a miserably bad turnover. But like yeah. they, they just tr- kick it like straight to almost like in a Lucas Silva way. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think, yeah, he just needs to iron out those mistakes. At times he just forces it, like you said. Um, In the League Cup, he had a couple of big errors too. Um, So, I I mean, yeah, he could could do something in his ear maybe, um, but he's a confident guy and he's probably going to continue doing his thing. (laughs) And for the most part of the season, it's been absolutely uh, a dream. So... um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I imagine Guardiola will have spoken to him about some errors. I want to be clear here. I don't want to stifle the creativity. I think that there comes a point in a season, though, where the manager has to move it from, okay, now I've allowed you guys to do it to get comfortable with the actual act of doing it. But now we need to have a conversation about how to properly do it, if that makes sense. Like, okay, you've learned the basic equation Doing it with a purpose instead of doing it for the right. sake of now, doing it. You yeah, that's well the short cool. way. Now I'm going to teach you the long way. You know, just sort of. Well, I'm supposed to bring the ball out, so I'm going to bring the ball out. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm supposed to bring the ball out. Now, what can I do with it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree that's, with that's all that. It's time to take that next stage in the evolution, and maybe Guardiola doesn't think that they're there the yet. Evolution. If that does end up being the case, it would be nice if if you know, Guardiola were able to to sit down with some of these guys and talk them through, like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do things moving forward. Like, you clearly have the confidence. Uh, you, you know, you have gotten rid of whatever crappy coaching Roberto Martinez tried to, like, impart upon you. So now let's teach you how to really play football. Yeah, um... Joe, we're going to close this out with you because I know you. We, we we didn't have you on last time because mm, yes. you you went and had a life on us. But <laughs> um, um, we we did tackle the the Vincent Company and Yaya Torre question. I'm going to have you speak your thoughts in that order, Vinny first, and then Yaya. Um, but you, you basically what you said or what you thought was that the you had some dissenting opinions that you feel felt weren't quite. Um, getting the visible play that you felt that they they should be getting, or you at least wanted to be heard on this. So I'm just going to turn the floor over to you first on Vincent Company, and then um, we'll get your take on Yaya. But you can you can tell us in light of the injuries and everything else um, what you think about that situation. Well, to be fair, I think it has been a divisive situation, companies, but. Um, I have seen both sides now. I'm certainly on the side of uh, this guy deserves as many chances as he wants and needs. Um, I think he, what he's done to, it's much of what you've actually already said on the previous podcast, which I listened to. Oh, we have uh, one listener then. 
Um, he's busted a gut to get back. I think that was quote from Josh actually, um, and he, he's he just worked he's worked so hard. It means so much to him to be on the pitch. I've never known such a passionate player for City um, uh, for as long as I've been following football. Um, so I I mean I cannot stand anything um, anyone who's saying that this guy needs to pack his bags, this guy's taking up uh, wages, um, what have you, anything as ridiculous as that. This this guy deserves um, as long a future as he wants at the club. Um, even if he's off the pitch, people are forgetting that this guy will have a huge influence on our other players as a leader, as an off-field leader, um, as uh, tactically as well with young defenders such as Stones. This guy is indispensable for us, even if he's off the pitch. I think. Yeah, um, and we we did so talk, well said. We did talk about that. I do since we did talk about that. I don't have anything else to add to that. Um, I know. I know your opinion on Yaya was probably slightly more controversial. So have at it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. So anyway, uh, crap all over our opinion. That's right. Oh, for the mystery. No, I. Uh, you you raised a, a good point, actually, Josh, when you said that um, Seluk has given this guy so much. So it's only natural that Yaya turns around and uh, doesn't openly criticize him or doesn't sack him or is on his wavelength. Uh, but I, I, I'm done with Yaya Torre. I think that he was a great, a great player in his time. Um, but I no longer want him associated with our club as long as he owns Selleck's comments, which, like you guys said, he is doing uh, by not speaking out against them. Um, it's his agent, so ultimately he has the control of what gets put out there about him. Uh, the agent certainly doesn't have necessarily a free license to say what the hell he wants. It's often controlled by Yaya Torre. Hence Selluk's uh, silence over the summer, which Yaya, I'm assuming, controlled. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I'm glad you said that, because I was like, you know, it works both it's ways. been a really long time since Guardiola took over and Selluk hasn't said, oh, oh, wait, there it is. Never mind. You know? <laughs> I just saw it as maybe Yaya running out of patience um, with, with Pep and with City, so... You know, he opens the floor to Selleck. Um, uh, he owns everything that Selleck is saying. So, and like Pep said, if you're gonna if you're gonna allow for open criticism, public criticism about his own club, then they have he has no part in our plans this season and probably for the rest of his City career. I think. No, I think. Oh, God. I- Go ahead, before I ask my question. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, Joe, I think that that's a really well-said point. Like, when I said, when I was trying to provide a different, uh, paint a different image of Dimitri Seluk, it wasn't to excuse Yaya. It wasn't to excuse Dimitri. It wasn't to dismiss what they've said or how they've tormented the club in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't even to deny Yaya's owning of, of, of the comments. It was just providing a honest and truthful look from this uh, situation where I have been in that situation before. Yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, I've had a role model who's 
said some really stupid shit before and I felt like I got, I owed this guy like so much. He'd given me so much of everything um, and just done so much for me and my family. Um, and, and even when everybody else was against me, this was a guy that was coming over. And I'm sure that that's exactly what Seluk did. When Yaya's brother died, I have to imagine that Seluk probably showed a side of himself that most people refuse to believe exists in that De- man. Definitely, definitely. But I, but I think he showed it to Yaya, and that's, that's where the disconnect is. If the rest of the world actually saw the Dimitri Seluk that Yaya Toure refuses to throw under the bus or separate himself from, we would not be having this conversation. The problem is Dimitri has two faces. Ones that he present one that he presents to the world and another that he presents to his clients. And with Yaya being the biggest client he has that we could find out. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, I was curious about that. Most of his other clients are based in Eastern Europe and not big names at all. I imagine. I imagine. So with Yaya being the biggest client he has, it's sort of like friends and what's her name with Joey Tribbiani, you know? There's always going to be work, and even though that, you know, crappy agent, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> hey, this it's my agent, you know? And it's just, but I think you're right, man. I think that City fans, this is what's key for me, and this is, you know, Gray, your question after this. What's key for me is is always going to be this. Every City fan has to decide for themselves how they feel about this situation. But it's also important to understand that anybody else who may feel differently about it is entitled to that. It doesn't mean that they are wrong uh, or that you are wrong or vice versa, whatever the case may be. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means they had a different perspective. They experience it or their life experiences have taught them to see things in a different way. And I think that when it comes to Yaya, we just have to be open to the various different levels of animosity or yeah. love people are going to have for him. That's it. Absolutely. I think no, what, what you've done is absolutely right because you've gone for the reverse vantage point of what Yaya Torre is thinking, which not enough people have done. Um, so I think that I mean, I, I'm I'm on your wavelength there. I, I while I have these comments that are, are very much against Yaya Torre, it's still I, I can still have that understanding that he's doing it for a reason, though it's something that I I don't agree with. He's doing it for his own reason. So there are a couple of different vantage points uh, for you to look at, and there are two sides of it. Um, so. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, considering both, but you've pretty much said everything that needs to be said there, Josh, to be honest. That was well put. You have segued perfectly into the question I was going to close with anyway. Um, but And I, I, I agree that this is a subjective situation where there isn't necessarily one side is right and one side is wrong. Um, but the, the last question I was going to ask, and we'll close with this, and it's mostly directed at Joe, um, because it's and it's kind of twofold. It's, it's first, what's your opinion? And second, what do you think it will actually be viewed as? But um, 
so preface with that first in your opinion and then second the general temperature that that you think will it will come off as what is yaya torre's legacy at manchester city well um let me let me start with this um a lot of it comes down to how you define a club legend or someone that is a club icon, which certainly for a lot of uh, Yaya Torre's career at City, we've been talking those sort of words, and quite rightly because of his performances. But to me, a club legend is someone that um, is the ultimate role model for people, for supporters of that club. He not only has the ability to win titles, to have memorable moments with the fan base. But he has that personality, that leadership, where people can look up to him and um, see everything, see see respect, ultimately, is what I'm trying to say. If you compare Yaya Torre to Vincent Kompany, Yaya Torre and Vincent Kompany have both had equally effective moments at Man City. They've both put in world-class performances that have ultimately won us titles with Mancini and with Pellegrini. Why Vincent Kompany will be considered a club legend and why I won't consider Yaya Torre a club legend is because Vincent Kompany is quintessential. He is the quintessential professional which has given our club uh, only a better reputation with him there, if you get what I'm saying. His off-the-field stuff, the fact that he's been the face of... Can I ask a question, though? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I want to ask you, name me one club out there who has a running list of warriors slash legends who don't have off-the-field controversies. Okay, it's not so much off-the-field controversies. Well... Or bat spats with the club, because... Louis, Louis, Louis Figo... Like, look, I mean, you can call him a Barca legend or a Real legend, both are true, but Real fans aren't going to call him or Barca fans ain't going to call him a legend. Yeah, okay. Um, I accept I accept that point. Um, I guess it's, it's the fact that Yaya Torre has direct, well, indirectly through Seluk, um criticised our own club. And not only that, he's had a negative effect on our squad. Certainly he did under Pellegrini. Um, last year, on the pitch as well, uh, he's he chose not to show up, um, and it was obvious that. that he could do better. He he just chose not to because of who he is, and and ultimately he did have those moments with us, which were which you could say were legendary. He did win us titles that we've never had before. Fair enough, well, he wasn't. The only it, thing I would add to that too is that Gary Cook also has said countless times that. Yaya was the domino, you know, the first domino by which all the other dominoes fell into place. Like, without getting Yaya, we don't get some of those other players. And so I'm just trying to figure out where you weigh into the equation how City view him or the people who bought him for City view him. Well, how City view him? 
will probably be different to how I view him because they'll view him in more of a business pers- perspective and uh, performance slash trophy perspective, where, whereas I'm sort of more of a fan and personal perspective. I, from a business perspective, I think there's no argument that it has been yeah, yeah, well yeah. worth the investment and then some. You could say I could say that Yaya Torre's uh, move to the club in itself is legendary for our status of the club and for our progression. But whether he is a club legend as a player, I think, can be separated from that. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a very complicated legacy. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is down to uh, how... Yeah, it's a, it's, a sub- <laughs> it's a subjective legacy. And I, I don't, you know... It's there's a reason we don't make this codified list of of of, men, of of club legends that we just hang up on a wall somewhere, because everyone's gonna look at things. You know, you could go down the slope. Is Joe Hart a Manchester City legend? I'm not asking the question. I'm not asking you to answer it. But you know, there's another question that I would imagine would get you plenty of different answers. Uh, I agree with Joe BT Dub about. I think it all comes down to whether or not Yaya is a legend. I think comes down to how the person views him. And that's why I said, I think we have to be mindful and respectful of some people who cannot separate being a servant of the club with being a club legend. Like to them, those things are synonymous that those things go hand in hand and you, you can't be one without the other. And and I have nothing but respect for those people who view it that way. Yeah. Truthfully. I, truthfully. Yeah. I, think to, I think to summarize, there are two very acceptable vantage points on this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think both could be considered um, a, a right opinion. There are both two very strong arguments uh, either way. Yeah, agreed. And well, this is all far too conciliatory. Someone has to say something super controversial now. Okay, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't say anything controversial. I don't want to get fired. Um, <laughs> but basically, where I would go, I I think that Yaya Torre will ultimately be remembered as, for most of his city career, a very gifted, talented player who often, who at times, pulled the club up by the scruff of their neck and dragged them over the line kind of mailed it in at the end, but he was a rather an idiot. Um, so, <laughs> that's kind of where... Carlos, it, so Carlos Tevez. Yeah, you can say that, except without the mailing it in part. Tevez never really mailed it in. Um, yeah, that's fair. He was on the field, at least. Um, but but basically, the, the, I, w- I would... It, it's kind of odd. It feels like that last goal he scored the year we won the title against Aston Villa when he ran the length of the field, and it was one of the most brilliant moments... Um, it's in retrospect, it's like everything he had left to give Man City, he gave in that run, and ever since then, yeah. that's been about it. And yeah. no doubt, at the top of his game, he was as good as any midfielder I've seen in the Premier League. He was the Just best. In, he was the best midfielder in the Premier League that season, bar none. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about during my lifetime. There, in terms of pure effectiveness for a team and on the ball. I, I've I've rarely seen that person do what he can do. You know, you know who he reminds me of, and I'm I'm sure your love of American sports might be able to. I want to know if this comp is the same as mine. Okay, all right. <laughs> who are you gonna say? Oh, you have to go first. You brought it up first. No, 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 no. You uh-huh. got it. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Joe? Because now doing this back and forth, I completely like forgot. You, you had an American sports comp for Yaya. What did Joe say though? Uh, all I said was I, I I think that 
on his day is the best player I've ever seen. He just provo- provides those moments that I, I've very rarely seen from an individual on a football pitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's kind of like the Shaq of the Premier League. Okay, but... ours are completely Oh, okay. Yeah. Completely different. Like, like, on his day, and, and not that Shaq ever mailed it in or whatever the case may be, but on his day, like, there, like you, if Yaya got going, you were either going to pick up a severe card trying to stop him or you were going to end up on the wrong side of a highlight reel. Are you, are you, ready, for, are you ready for mine? Hit me with it! Marshawn Lynch. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I can see that, actually. Maybe not quite, maybe at the top of his game, not quite as legendary as Yaya was, but my my enduring memory of Yaya Torre will be, you know, not only the goals at Wembley, but in in terms of the pure physical quality, that that goal he scored against Villa. um, And my memory of Marshawn Lynch will always be that run he uncorked in the New Orleans playoff. Shut up! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... There's 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 my comp. <laughs> no, I like that comparison. Uh, he, yeah, there were just those moments where you could count on him, and it was in the the biggest moments as well. Uh, you yep. see, you see, legendary players who will play like take Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, a lot of people argue that he is one of the best players of all time, and there is a a very acceptable argument for that. But in the in the big games, it's been widely noted that he can fade, um, and he can be marked out of a game. Yaya Torre was the sort of player that, and I'm not putting him on a pedestal with Cristiano Ronaldo. He's, he was good, but not that good. But what I'm saying is, in, when it got to the big games, Yaya Torre used to produce. He used to provide these moments that would be a, a very, very strong team, and he'd just do it himself sometimes. When he was up for it, you could not mark him out of a game. Absolutely and not. And you can, you can go down the list of, you know, some players have one or two or even three legendary goals that they scored in their career. Like, Aguero is always going to be remembered for one goal in particular. Yeah. When you look at Yaya's Manchester City career, even some of the lesser moments like Crystal Palace away the year we won the title. Um, Y'all don't even know what my favorite Yaya moment is. I'll let you go after this, but but sure. you, you, you go down the list of all the important goals he's scored. The goal, um, the, the FA Cup semifinal against United, the FA Cup final against Stoke, the brace at Newcastle that set up the QPR game to win the league. It's just absurd. He was he always seemed to, particularly in the Mancini era, really, although he had his moments in, in, in the Pellegrini era, obviously, particularly the title-winning season. But he, whenever cities needed to be dragged over the line, he seemed to just stand up and say, all right, boys, let's do this. I'm going to, um, since I'm, I've been left out with the American sport comparison, I'm going to come with my own. And it's going to be Larry Fitzgerald, not because of his longevity, but because of just how, um, how long his highlight reel was if soccer had a so-called Hall of Fame. Like when it gets to Larry Fitzgerald and prime time, he just reels off these uh, one-handed catches. He he catches in traffic. He does everything in the big moments. Yaya Torre is that guy for me. On his day, Yaya Torre would produce the big moments in, in no matter what situation it was in. 
Josh, go ahead with your story, and then we can wrap this up. It's not really a story. Whatever you'd like to call it. I have one simple Yaya Ture moment that is my favorite um, above all others, and that is Yaya Ture uncorking that shot at QPR that hit the girl square in the face. (laughs) (laughs) That, That gif will never not be funny to me, especially because after she gets she was robbed okay. by the ball. Yeah. I, yeah, well, yeah. She was okay, she, which means we if, can laugh if at she, Yeah, if she wasn't okay, this entire conversation is unacceptable. Um, but she ended up being okay, and Yaya hooked her up and everything. But the <laughs> best part about that gif was, like, after the ball catches her face, it's just her hands. The hands. Like, playing there in the air. Hanging there in the air. Yeah, it, it makes the gif. It's art. It's it is. I, uh, I that is my single favorite Yaya I'm, moment. I'm, always I'm, really, I'm really glad you said that. I, when I heard uncork that shot, I thought you were going to mention his goal in the in the League Cup final against Sunderland. I didn't so know where that I. was going. <laughs> oh man, Josh, that was the perfect way to summarize a segment. I like it. I'm not going any further with that. Um, oh, thank you. That, that that sums it up. So I I think we're I think we're done with this one. Um, if you're wondering why we haven't talked about the Celtic game, since it's up next, we're going to have a separate Champions League preview for the Celtic game. You can stay tuned for that. Um, coming probably very soon after this, after you hear this episode. Um, other than that, um, you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for us. Um, so this has been City Watches American Citizens. For Joe and Josh, my name is Gray. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again very soon.